the other way. You know they both need changing. So let's be people of the word, amen, so we can encourage one another. Praise God. Amen. You got your Bible with you tonight? Hey, just, wait a minute. Just before you stand up, Pastor Steve, right? Steve, Steve from CCF and Shine, uh, uh, church over in Pasco in the, uh, the theater, and then there's another church. Are they both in Pasco? Both locations in Pasco. If I irritate you tonight, see him before he leaves, and he can take you to, with him to church tomorrow. Go ahead. Stand up. You and your wife, stand up. We want to welcome you here tonight. We're glad you're here. Amen. Let's all stand together. Get your Bible in your hand. Let's make a confession together. Hold that up and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I've got an open mind and a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord one more praise tonight. He's worthy. Amen. Glad you're here expecting God to do some incredible things. How do you know God's on the move? Amen. And moving in the cities, you know, the church is coming together and praying for revival and pastors meeting and praying and people fasting and believing God for big things. Don't stop because the 40 days is over. Just keep going. The 40 days was to birth something. And now we're going to move into that thing which God's called us to, you know, where he's leading us and where he's guiding us and directing us. I, I, I'm excited about revival in the city, but how many you know you can't have revival in the city until we have revival in our churches, right? And we're not going to have revival in our churches until we have revival in our homes, amen? Not going to have revival in our homes until there are a few individuals who begin to allow revival fire to burn inside of them. So let's, be, let's just keep pressing in. Keep moving at it, keep striving, keep stretching, keep growing, and keep releasing God to do whatever he can do in us to, sh to shape us, to change us, and to make us the people he needs us and wants us to be. Amen? Man, I just want to grow and become more and more like him. Amen? Amen? I want to walk with God. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I want to walk with God. Micah 6.8. You know, uh, most of us are familiar with this stuff. Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, old man, what is good. Everybody say good. Hey, Amen. You want to be good? That's right. We, we want to be good on purpose. Right? I said you want to be good on purpose. Good is something that gives of itself for the betterment of its environment. You want to be good on purpose. If you're not good on purpose, you might be real good, but you might be real good for nothing. So we don't want to be good for nothing. Right? We want to be good for something. Be good on purpose. How do I do it? He said, this is what the Lord requires of you. Underline that word in your Bible. This is a requirement. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't kind of an afterthought. If you get bored and you don't know what to do, this is what we're supposed to do. We are required of God to, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You, you are, you're required to walk with God. If you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to be uh, you know, in, in pursuit of God, you're going to have to walk with God. Right? And if you are walking, does it not make sense that you are going to leave where you were at to go to where you're going? Come on now, you're walking with God. So you're not going to stay where you're at. He's going to lead you and guide you to a new place. Amen? Everybody say place. See, God's trying to get you to a new place. The word place is a position of effectual opportunity. God's trying to take you 
to a position of effectual opportunity where good things can come out of your life and change the environment all around you. It ain't all about you. It's going to flow all through you, and it's going to impact others around you. God is connecting you to people, and he's doing it on purpose, right? I said he's doing that on purpose. So you're going to walk with God. You're going to leave where you're at. You're going to go to where he's taking you. And in order to get there, according to Amos 3.3, you're going to have to walk in agreement with God. How can two walk together except they be agreed, right? So we got to get our lives in agreement with God. If you, if you really took time and sat down and visited with the Lord, you might find areas of your life where you're actually not in agreement with God. That's a big shock for some of us. Because we are pretty sure we're always right. And I'm here tonight to tell you that I have recently learned that is not always true. Man, you don't want to live out of agreement with God. Disagreement. The prefix dis means to push down or press out of. You know what the enemy tries to do in life? Tries to bring in so many situations and so much stuff, so many issues in life so they can push you and press you out of your position of agreement with God. If the enemy can get you to walk in disagreement with God, you will be separated from the blessing of God. When you are separated from the blessing of God, you'll begin to become frustrated with God. I thought you said. Well, yeah, but you ain't walking in agreement. Jeremiah 29, 11. Have you ever heard this one? I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plan to give you hope and a future. God's plan is to prosper you. If your life is, is dry and dull, and I'm not... And I, Trust me, I, I don't think that everybody in this room is going to live with a, a you know a just incredible uh, supernatural financial abundance every single day. Hey, you know what? Here's the deal: life is filled with battles and challenges and situations. God Himself is going to lead you into battles you can't win. He's going to lead you into problems you can't solve. He's going to lead you into situations you can't afford. He's going to be there with you, and He's going to take care of it, and He's going to handle all of that for you. But you know, but His His plan for your life is that your life would be overabundant, that you would have an excess of, of energy just flooding through you regardless of the situation, and that you, you know your levels of joy are, are going from day to day getting better and on the increase. Everything about God is, is growing inside of us when we're walking in the path that he's carved out for our life. So if your life is not prospering, could we submit this thought that maybe you're not walking in his plan? If his plan is to prosper you and you're not prospering, maybe you're outside of his plan. I'd start there instead of looking around at your neighbor or your boss or your mother-in-law or, you know, or, or your, your husband or your mother-in-law or your, your wife or your mother-in-law or, or trying to blame it on, on the kids or your mother-in-law. And some people go so far as to blame everything on their mother-in-law. It, it, it doesn't always have to be that way, right? It could be you, Right? Nudge your neighbor and say, that was for you. Because you, you, obviously, it's not for you. Hmm. We, we've got to realize that if God has a plan for our life, a destiny. You know, Ecclesiastes uh, talks about the race is not for the swift. The battle's not for the strong. Riches aren't for men of understanding. Time and chance, though, happeneth for every man. Time and chance. Time is, a, is an opportunity. It's not a 24 hours of every day. Time is a, is a moment that has been impregnated with purpose. That is a, it's destiny. That's coming. Chance, that is the opportunity. There's a collision. If you stay on course with God, you're going to have a collision with destiny. Destiny has your name on it. Come on, somebody. 
I said destiny. There are destiny moments with your name written all over it. Sometimes, you know, we're blinded by what's going on around us. We don't see it, and the enemy is aware of it because he, you know, he can tell that you don't know where destiny is at by the way you walk. Now, he's looking at the way you walk. See, if God, if God says you're a conqueror, but you walk like you're beat up, well, your walk is not in agreement with God. So the enemy knows that you're not walking like a conqueror, so he's got you off track from having collision with that conquering moment. Some of us think, well, I got to feel like a conqueror before I walk like one. No, you got to walk like one before you feel like it. Hello, somebody. Destiny has called you. Not is or will or might. Destiny has called you. If destiny has called you, hell is hunting you. And if hell is hunting you, there's only one thing that's going to help you, and that's fellowship. Fellowship will protect you. Fellowship that is koinonia. It's where we get the word uh, community. Uh, it is agreement. Let me tell you where your, where, where your real protection is at. It's in agreement with God. If God said he's going to lead you through, don't you be acting like you, you ain't going to make it because all of a sudden you're in disagreement with God. Now, well, if God wants to get me through here, he will. He's trying his hardest. Why don't you? You know, I, I realize there are seasons in life where we can't make it. So God's connected us to other people who will pick us up and carry us through and get us to the other side. But if God says we're going through, we ought not stop in the middle and talk about why we can't do it. Yes, I can do it because like Paul said, I am ready for anything equal to everything which comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with inner strength. I've got what it takes to make it. You have everything you need to rise up and demonstrate the enemy's defeat on a daily basis. You've got it. You may not feel like it. It may not look like, smell like, taste like it, but you've got what you need to walk in victory. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I've got victory. Look at this real quick. 2 Timothy 1.9. I want you to see these scriptures. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that uh, it is he who has delivered and saved us and called us with a calling in itself holy and leading to holiness, a life of consecration, a vocation of holiness. Some of us, uh, you, you know, Marty and I were talking before church tonight. Some of you don't know Marty, the bishop. The bishop and I were talking tonight before church uh, you, you know, about some of the stuff we grew up in, what we heard. And, you, and you know, you hear the word holiness, and all of a sudden you see a beehive hairdo and, and horn rim glasses, and those are probably back to style by now. But, uh, you know, in the day, it, it was, you know, everything, and they got the hoops. you got to jump through the hoops, and if you do that too easy, we set the hoops on fire, and, and, and we got all these rules and regulations. And we, but yet you got to understand that when you walk with God, he's going to walk you down a road called holiness. There's all kinds of stuff that, that uh, is going to be changing in you from the inside out. But you've got to walk like you're called. See, you don't have to go to work. That's God's job. I remember, you know, as a boy, my dad bought a, a, a pretty large seagoing vessel. And we went out and we, we, we took one summer and we fished for salmon almost every day. And, we, and all, the, all the poles sticking out of this thing. I, I ran all the rods and, and he drove the boat. But it was crazy because when the fish got on board, the, I, I was no longer uh, free to even touch them. Okay, you know, you got to scale the fish, you got to do all this. He wouldn't let me touch the fish because he had seen me try it before. You know, uh, and rather than teach me, he just felt it was best if I let him do it. 
And the, the, the point was is that every fish caught I caught, every fish cleaned, he cleaned. That's kind of how it is with God. You can catch the fish, but he's going to clean them. You, you don't need to be the guy trying to knock the stuff off of people. You got to be the guy that's loving them into the boat, right? You got to be the guy that's out, that's out there fishing. But God's going to go ahead and take care of everything. But you, if you walk with him, but many of us, we live like, we try to live like we're saved instead of living like we're called. See, and when you're living like you're saved, you're so focused on those hoops and, and you're so, you're so uh, you know, just your, your mind is riveted to the regulation. No, live like you're called, that there's a purpose that is much greater than, than anything you could possibly imagine on your own, that God really does have a plan. And no matter what happens, no matter what comes up in life, no matter what hell vomits out upon you, is not great enough to separate you from the destiny for which God has created you. So I'm just living like I'm called, right? I'm, I, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. There's a lot of stuff I don't enjoy, but I'm going to live like I'm called. And you, you must understand that the more intent you become upon pursuing God's plan, the hotter hell comes after you. See, a lot of times we're under the impression that when we get saved and born again, you know, filled with the Spirit, with all this stuff, that all of a sudden life becomes cake and ice cream. I don't know where we came up with that. Because cake and ice cream is not the Christian experience. Christianity is, is not a, a place where you just come to learn how to be nice and how to love people. And, you know, that, that's part of it. But that is not, that is not the final product of Christianity. Christianity should make you whole, set you free, and, and cause you to come wholly alive and, and uh, you know, to demonstrate the enemy's defeat. So you got a destiny calling you. You, got, you know, John 10, 10, uh, the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have and enjoy supernatural, overabundant life, a life most people never really connect to. We don't really know life the way, the way God wants us to know life. Well, you got a, a demonic force that's fighting you. He, he does not want you to connect to that life. Don't be surprised when all hell breaks loose because you've decided to go after the life that God said you could have. The fact of the matter is, is you're going to face opposition, right? I said you're going to face opposition. In this world, there will be tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome that, right? So be of good cheer. It's coming, but you're going to make it through there, right? And so destiny's calling you. Hell is hunting you. But fellowship is going to protect you. Look at this, 1 John 1, verse 7. 1 John 1, 7. If we really are living and walking in the light, okay, if we're really living and walking in the light as he is in the light, then we will have true unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, is going to cleanse us from all the sin and guilt and keeps us cleansed. Hello, somebody. Now, I got news for you. I'm thank, I thank God for the blood, but I also thank him for the fellowship that we have with one another. I got two that's right from people I pay. <laughs> so you got to thank God for fellowship. I can't stand these people. Here's the deal. 57 times in your Bible it says one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. How, how do you walk in agreement with that word without another? 
if you're going to walk with God, he is going to walk you to a place where you connect with other people. You need fellowship. Fellowship is positive. We might not get where we're going tonight because you look like you need to be convinced. Fellowship is positive. I, I can't even trust people. You're not supposed to trust people. You're supposed to trust God. That when you do what he said, he will produce what he promised because he does that every single time you do what he said. Right? Well, people let me down. Right. And you have let others down. So now we're even. People have stabbed me in the back. And you're going around town telling everybody who they were. Ow. Now, fellowship is positive. Do you realize spiritual growth won't really occur? You're not going to become spiritually mature sitting here on Saturday night or Sunday morning. You're going to get educated. You're going to get trained to reign, but you're not going to become spiritually mature. If you're going to grow yourself in the Lord, you're going to have to connect to other people. See, uh, that's why, you know, we have what we call home teams, right? Because the home team always has the advantage. Home teams. You can call it small group, cell group, home group. You can can call it whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you took one night every two weeks and connected with other people and focused on growing your spiritual man, a year from now, you'd be so much stronger than you are today. But see, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to push you out of agreement because when you go to home teams, what are you doing? You're getting in agreement. You're getting in fellowship. If we walk, really walk, in the light as he is in the light, we will have unbroken fellowship with one another. Turn that thing upside down and look at it. If you're not in fellowship with one another, then you're not walking in the light. You all know I'll have to shout me down just because I'm preaching so good. You, you can just, you know, some of you are like, oh, dear Lord, is this home team sign-up nights? No, that's next week, isn't it, Jeremy? Uh, you know, we're not, we're not doing it so that we can say, look at how many home teams we have. We're looking at it so we can say, look at the growth that's occurring in these lives. If you're going to walk with God, hear me. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to connect to other people. If you're not going to connect to other people, Proverbs 18.1 says, He who willfully isolates himself from God or man seeks his own desire and is void of sound judgment. The, my translation, you know, the, my, the, the Bible I wrote, <laughs> it reads this way. He who willfully isolates himself from God or man is an idiot. Okay, don't walk through life stupid. Right? The Bible says, the Amplified Bible says, let's live like sensible, intelligent people. What does that mean? You're connecting. You're making a connection. You're not looking for a position where you can rule in authority. You're looking for a connection where you can grow into maturity. Somebody say amen. All right, well, if if fellowship's going to protect you, how does that happen? Well, because fellowship is going to remind you where you're headed. How many realize that there's times in life when life hits so hard, you forget where you're going? Come on. You ever watch those guys in the ring, you know, and, and they're fighting, and, and one guy gets clocked so hard, and he's laying on his back kind of flopping around on the floor, and they're trying to tap him and ask him questions. He don't even know where he's at. Some of you guys are there right now. It, you know, 
if you've been there and lived through it, you kind of, you know, you can make light of it. But the reality is when you're laying there on the floor, it's kind of scary. Especially if there ain't nobody in your corner coming to help you. The only people you know that are still in the ring is the guy who put me on my back and his crew. No, man, you got somebody in your ring. You, you got somebody that's telling you it's going to be all right. You got somebody who's in agreement with the final outcome that you are fighting to produce. Keep Get, get up on your feet. We're, we're going to make it another day. You need people in your life. There's six or 700 people in the church. Everybody in the church is, you know, has issues. They're going through stuff, right? They're going through life. Everybody is dealing with stuff. Everybody I know is busy. Some of us are under the impression that busy is synonymous with effective. It ain't. Busy is synonymous with busy, right? Running. You know what many of us need to do is realize that our calling isn't to get us busy. Our calling is to make us effective. Well, we're, we're so busy, we don't have time to do what God's asked us to do. Maybe that's too busy. Why do I feel like we should start the call? Busy. Too busy. Too busy to go twice a month to a home team. Too busy. Well, that's too busy. Maybe instead of praying and asking God what you should do, you should ask God what you should stop. So that you can get rid of some stuff that obviously is intended to keep you off the trail that God's called you to walk on. Right? Everybody's dealing with stuff. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Uh, we're going to read this tonight from the message. Keep vigilant. Watch over your heart. Because that's where life starts. Guard your heart. You, you know, the, some of the other translations say above everything else, guard your heart. Shoot, man, most people don't guard their heart at all. They guard their position and their possessions and, and their opinions, and they're willing to fight to the death for all kinds of stuff, but they'll let anything into their heart. He said, keep vigilant watch over your heart. This is where life starts. Keep going here, Bo. Help me. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Look at your neighbor and say, try not to be a liar. Keep your eyes straight ahead. <laughs> Ignore all sideshow distract. Ignore the distractions. See, I think this is one place where we really get beat up because they're kind of interesting. Some of them look fun. But it's just the enemy going to get you off, off track, get you off the trail. Look, look at verse 26. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. If the road's getting rougher, maybe you should stop long enough, pause long enough, to ask God, was that a wrong step? Now, I don't think that chaos is always the result of a wrong step because sometimes you're walking with God and he leads you right into the middle of chaos. Why? Because the peace in you is going to change the environment he's leading you into. But before I walk into chaos, I'd like to hear from God and know that that's where I'm supposed to be. I don't want to get there and find out he didn't send me there. So watch your step. Come on, guys. Just watch your step. 
You don't have to be some kind of spiritual freak to talk to God. You, you, you just got you just got to stop long enough and ask him, whoa, what should I do? Hello? Did I give you the next one too? Verse 27, look at that. Don't look to the right or the left. Leave evil in the dust. It, wouldn't it be kind of cool if when you find out evil really is hunting you, that you could leave evil in the dust? Right? He, 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 the road just moves out in front of you. And whoosh, here we go. Right? Here we go. You know the problem with life? The problems. Yeah. Everybody I know has problems. Walking with God leads to life always. Well, how come we have so many problems? Well, we, we haven't ever really guarded our heart. We, we haven't protected the way we think. So since we are willing to think wrong, then we see wrong. When you see wrong, you end up living wrong. Well, if you're living wrong, realize all you got to do is change the way that you see. The way to change the way you see is to change the way you think. The way to change the way you think is to change the way you heard what God said. It's Mark 4, 24, uh, be careful what you hear. You know, be careful how you hear it. Because if, if, if you hear it wrong, you know, if you hear it wrong, you're going to see it wrong. And if you see it wrong, man, it's going to mess up how you go about life. Well, make sure you're hearing God correctly. Make sure you're understanding his word correctly so that you can go through life maybe with less problems. Does that sound good to anybody? Less problems? You, you know, the fact is, is that because we haven't guarded our heart, the issues grow. Have you noticed that when you're busy, that's when you're most apt to make a monumental mistake? Because you're so busy, you don't have time to check out anything. You're too busy. You're too busy. Listen to me. Don't, don't, don't let me, don't let me uh, make you feel weird or bad or beat up or anything, because that's not my point. But, but if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. If you're too busy to get in the Word of God, you're too busy. You're either, you're either too busy or too distracted or too ignorant. Too busy. Right? <laughs> We're just too busy. We have issues. We have guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart above everything else, because out of it flow the issues of life. Here's the deal. We all have issues. I said, we all have issues. You know, if, if we were to talk about negativity, a lot of times we, we, we act like we're, we're hunting down negative people to rub their nose and something. We all struggle with negativity. We all struggle with bad attitudes. We all struggle with wrong belief systems. Everybody, we're all in the same boat. We, we, we all have issues. See, I think sometimes we're so focused on what ours are that we don't recognize that everybody else has some. Since we, we don't see that everybody else has some, we, we are unwilling to trust others to help us. And, we, we, and the best way to deal with your issue truly is to help somebody else overcome theirs. 
And because when you, you know, when you begin to kind of give of yourself and let life flow out of you, all of a sudden things you've never seen before, your eyes will be open. You'll be hearing like you never heard, and the word of God will come alive. You know, you kind of got to get outside of yourself. But tonight, for just a couple of minutes, I want to talk about some of the issues of the heart that we have to deal with and that we need to look at so that we don't just get so busy that we become frustrated, irritable, depressed, and negative. And then walk around with my Jesus Saves t-shirt on and, you know, the bumper sticker flashing in the wind and everybody looking at that picture thinking, well, I don't need that. Wholesomely. You know, if we ever really connect to the life that God wants us to have, if Christianity begins to produce in us the way it should, you're not going to have trouble getting friends and family and, you know, to come to Christ. You know, they're going to think that you're on crack or something and they're going to want what you got. They're going to come after you. They're going to seek it out. Why? Well, because even in the middle of hell-filled situation, man, my act is still together, right? I'm not losing my grip on life. That's where we want to get. Come on, somebody. We want to deal with our issues. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to deal with my issues. Look at this, Proverbs 10, 11, again out of the message. Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of a good person, the mouth, well, right, because remember, Guard your heart out of it, flow the issues of life. And the heart, you know, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your mouth's pretty important, right? I said your mouth is pretty important. And the mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well. But the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. Wow, that lays it out there, don't it? The mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well. But the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. You know, the the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good, the evil person. And I I know sometimes it's hard for us to uh, even relate to the evil person because we're thinking like like evil. Well, the word evil just means sick or diseased. And the word good here is simply healthy. So a healthy person, their mouth is a life-giving well. And an unhealthy person, their mouth, they don't mean it to be, but they just can't help it. It's a dark cave of of abuse. Do you, you realize, see, it's easier to believe for the worst than it is to believe for the best. It, it's just easier. It, it takes less courage to believe the worst thing is going to happen than it does to, to be willing to position yourself to face the possible disappointment if you believe for the best and it didn't quite happen. It's easier to believe. It's just simple, very, very simple to believe we're not going to make it because if you believed you were and you came against opposition and then that frustration, you, you know, it's just easier. It's weird how we look at life. You know, we, we always look at it and, and it's, it's more natural to, uh, well, you know, for example, um, like looking at Jim. Many, many people will look at Jim and they'll look at Pastor Jim here and think, look how bald his head's getting. just many. I, on the other hand, am amazed at how much hair he has. <laughs> how are you looking at life? How are you looking at life? It's going to impact everything in front of you. And the problem with that is, is that once you get there, now it's behind you. Now here come your family and your friends. 
Have you put a well, a life-giving well, or have you just left a, a dark cave of abuse? A life-giving well, something you dug intentionally, or a cave which was created by the environment and, the, and, and everything around you. Are, are you living on purpose, or are you just the result of what happened? Well, if you guard your heart and you go to work, you can, you can dig that well. But if you just react to everything, all of a sudden, all you got is a cave. And no matter how hard you try, it's just a dark cave of abuse. You, it's not like, like, like that you're evil. It's just that you're unhealthy. Well, let's get healthy. How do I get healthy? Start digging. Start digging. Dig into these issues and find out what's going on here. Matthew 15, uh, verse 1 and 2. Uh, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they asked him, uh, what's up with your guys? Look, at they're breaking the tradition of the elders, and they don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, hang on there. Look at that for a minute. Notice a couple of things that are already out of alignment here. They've broken the tradition of the elders. Well, you, how many of you know there's a, there's a greater law that we ought to follow? They, they're not living. How come your guys don't wash their hands? Look at this in uh, verse 17. We'll drop down there. 17. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? And uh, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these things make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And it's these that make a man unclean. It's not what's going in your mouth. It's what's coming out of your mouth. Right? It, that's what's making you unclean. That word unclean, it, it, it literally means to disqualify you with God. Yeah, that's what puts you in disagreement with God. It, 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 if you're going to walk, you've got to learn to talk. And you've you, you got to line up your mouth with God. Right? And out of these things, you know, uh, you, we we got evil thoughts. Most of us have probably had one or two of those. Hopefully, some of you are not having one right now. Uh, murder, murder. We're glad to say that a huge percentage of us have not murdered. Except the Bible says that if you have hate in your heart, it's murder. Be careful. The guy sitting next to you is a killer. Okay. Uh, adultery. Adultery. The Bible says that if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Great. Uh, sexual theft, false testimony, all of these things, really they boil down to four basic issues that we have to deal with. And we, I think we should dig down and deal with the issues. The first one's guilt. The second one's anger. The third one's greed. The fourth one is jealousy. Guilt says, I owe you. Guilt's got a secret. And that secret is so powerful. It, it, it's if you knew what I don't want you to know about me, you wouldn't see me the way I want you to see me. So I don't open myself, I don't become transparent, and I live under the power of guilt. And guilt negates agreement because you're not honest. And see, if you're not honest, how do we agree with somebody who, ain't, who doesn't come to the table with everything? Hey, you can't be in agreement. So the enemy gets you, making you think you're guilty. The Bible says that if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence with God. So what does the enemy try to do? Tries to bring condemnation to your heart. Why? So that you will no longer have confidence in God. If you don't have confidence in God, you don't walk in agreement with God. If you don't walk in agreement with God, then you're not a threat to the powers of darkness. So he wants to get you living under condemnation, make you feel guilty. 
make you feel like a loser, make you feel like if the world knew everything about you. Well, we got, we got to do some digging and, and deal with the guilt issue in our heart. The next one is anger, and anger says, you owe me. Anger is always the result of something's been taken from me, and bless God, I want it back. Somebody's going to pay me back for what's been taken from me. Anger always comes from something that I, that I feel is rightfully mine. You know, may, maybe you were abused as a child, and, uh, and you think, well, uh, I have the right to be angry. Right. You, you have the right to be angry. What happened to you was wrong. It should not have happened. It's not fair. But you have the right to be angry. You also have the right to be whole. So you you gotta you gotta deal with those issues, man. These are the things that that disqualify you with God. You don't go through life guilty. Don't go through life angry because anger refuses to agree. Third one's greed. Greed says I owe me. See, guilt says I owe you. Anger says you owe me. Greed says I owe me. How many times have you heard somebody say, you know, all my life I've made decisions for others, and now I'm going to make some for me? They just step into the realm of greed. This is all about me. And you know what's sad is in the church, many of us, many of us would come to God that way. Unfortunately, we were brought to God that way. But if you'll give, God will release a big, huge blessing to you. We treat God like he's a vending machine. I put it in a buck, pull the right lever, I'll get what I want. This ain't about what we want. It's about what he wants. Man, I, we're, we're not asking you to give so that you can be blessed. We're asking you to give so that you're in agreement with what God told you to do. Right? So that we can do what God's told us to do so we can stay in agreement with God. Right? But, but greed, man, greed is one of them things that will sacrifice others so that it can be promoted. Greed's dangerous. Greed hides pretty well, justifies itself all the time. Greed only agrees when it feels it's beneficial. And then the fourth one, jealousy. Jealousy says the whole world owes me. God owes me. Everybody owes me. Quick to point the fault to others. It's threatened by other success and achievements, and it has a mentality that life is not fair. It's not fair. You shouldn't be blessed. I've done, I'm just as good a person as you are. You've got issues. You've got problems. And you shouldn't be blessed. You probably have done something wrong, and, and you've sinned. That's why you've got that. Well, that's just jealousy. Jealousy won't agree. It will not walk in agreement, and it's very negative. Now, if all we did is talk about those four issues, we got it, right? You got it? Okay, how do we fix them? It's really easy. It's not like, it's not like this is going to take a huge move of God to fix it's not it's just a couple of steps on your on your behalf how do I fix guilt it's called confession admit your mistakes it's okay deal with that insecurity and just confess if we confess he's faithful and just to forgive you can't be guilty after you've confessed and see, the guilty mindset is where the enemy has you held captive and he's blackmailing you. And he's telling you that if you're not careful, the news is going to slip out. There's going to be a leak. 
and the whole world's going to find out. Well, that kind of loses its impact when you're the guy telling everybody. All right, I did it. Come on, somebody. How do I, how do I deal with this guilt? Confess. End it tonight. You don't have to live guilty. Well, I've done things I shouldn't do. Join the stinking club. Agree with forgiveness. How do I deal with my anger? How about forgive? I know we just said the F word in church. Forgive. We're under the impression that if I forgive you, that that says that you're right. No, when I forgive you, that says you're no longer going to rule and reign my life. See, if you were abused as a child, they were wrong. But they can't pay you back. You know, 50 years ago when you were abused, they can't come back now and be your daddy. They, they can't make everything right. So you might as well cancel the debt and let, let, let God just deal with all that other stuff and you get free so that you can just walk in, in, in the liberty that God wants you to walk in. Agree to let it go. That's God's plan. So walk in forgiveness. Well, I don't even know what's wrong. Well, isolate through prayer that which has been taken from you. Because what you allow to be a grudge in private will be public chaos. So go to God. Father, I'm angry all the time. I guarantee you, if you have an anger problem, something's been taken from your life, and you're trying to get paid back. You're trying to get restitution. Cancel the debt. If you don't know what it is, talk to God. It'll come up. Jeremiah 33, 3, call me. I will answer you. I will show you hidden things, secret things, things covered up. I will open up and turn the lights on. You're going to see stuff you ain't never seen before. Okay, greed. How do I deal with greed? That's easy. Generosity. You want to break the power of greed? You become generous. You become the guy that uh, is going to break the chains of greed in your life, and you sow into the lives of others. Well, I've been praying that I could get set free from the praying will not break those chains, sowing will. Hello? Jealousy. How do, I, how do I deal with jealousy? It's called celebration. The person who threatens you in private, you should celebrate in public. The issue, the issue that really has bugged you all your life, you, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times, jealousy, you know, how do you know that all of these, these four things, they don't really have a neon sign. Nobody gets up in the morning and looks in the mirror and says, Wow, I'm greedy. <laughs> Looking good. <laughs> now, we, we look at ourselves and, and we, we, we justify our condition. See, instead of saying I'm greedy, we say I'm careful. I, I like this one. I'm a steward. See, I got to tell you something. I'm a steward mentality. You... you you have to understand that the moment you say, I'm a steward, then what you just said is that none of this is mine. So now I'm going to hear from God and do with what he's given me, whatever he tells me. You can't use I'm a steward to cover up your greed. Well, I walk in wisdom. That's a whole other message. Let me, let, let me point out to you, 
No, you don't. We, we've got to, we got to dig and confront these issues. Why? So we can walk in agreement with God. Every one of us. Come on, guys. I said every one of us. We need to go to God and say, okay, come on now. Create in me a clean heart. Purify me, Father, from the inside out. Man, I got some issues I want to deal with because I want to walk in agreement with you. I want to have the life you've created me to have. I want to, I want to walk in victory every day of my life. I want to rise up above the stuff that's been knocking me down. I've been stumbling and fighting and, and, and you know, working at dealing with little issues. You know, back in Matthew 15 when they came, you know, why don't your guys wash their hands? It, it, stuff that doesn't really matter. That thing that has you guilty, it don't even matter. Well, it's going to upset my whole family. Not if they got the mind of Christ. Well, that anger, that's a th- it doesn't even matter. They couldn't pay you back if they, if they walked up, knocked on the door, and begged for forgiveness. So what difference would it make? You grieve. I just can't let other people see it. Trust, they already see it. You know, it's changing the rules in the middle of a game. Have you ever played with your kids? You know, they, they, they change the rules in the middle of the game because there's no way they refuse to be the loser. And what are you sitting there thinking the whole time you're playing that game, they keep changing the rules? What are you thinking, loser? You're not thinking good, happy thoughts. I don't care if they are your kid. You're thinking he's a cheater, and i got to figure out how to deal with this. You lay in bed at night and talk to your spouse. How'd they get that way? And they make some stupid remark like they're just like you. What would happen? What would happen if we got whole? What would happen if guilt was broken? If anger was crushed? If greed was no longer present? Jealousy, we broke the back. We started walking with God. Walking with God. Not, not caring, not being distracted by the cute little sideshow. Because that's all that that has produced in your life is a sideshow. To distract you so you do not move towards the destiny for which you've been called. You realize... God wants to help each and every one of us connect to the high life he's called us to live. He's gone to incredible investment, huge expense, just for a moment speaking to our life. Why don't you listen? Why don't you open up and say, okay, God, change me. It's me. I'm not coming here to justify my lifestyle. I'm coming here to connect with you so that when I leave this place, I'm walking better. My God walk is on target. Amen? Do me a favor, close your book, bow your heads. We're going we're gonna to pray. I'm going to have the worship team come back. We're going to sing one more song before we go. But I just, I want the opportunity to pray with you and for you. If you're here tonight and 
you realize there's some issues of the heart that need to be dealt with. Walking with God. Your walk is not the God walk it should be. You realize that. And, and, and probably, uh, and let, let me preface this, probably each and every one of us should respond just to that. But I, I want to talk specifically to people. You know God's dealing with your heart right now. And your relationship with God is so not right. You, you, you question where eternity is going to be. You're not right with God. Tonight, I don't want to promise you that if you'll pray this prayer that life's suddenly going to get better. No, I want to tell you that if you'll connect to God, life's going to be a challenge, but you'll suddenly have wisdom, strength. You'll have resources available.